What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, where we talk Sixers, all Sixers and nothing but the Sixers. Except in the case, we just had free agency, so we're going to bounce around the league tonight and talk about a flurry of transactions that recently happened. I'm here with Chris, Christopher Klein, and then we have Alex Insdorf who is his first time on the podcast. Uh, he's a contributor for the site, and he actually has his own podcast. But, Alex, what's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, great to be here. Chris, how's how's everything going for you since the eve of uh, free agency? Um, you know, it's going well. Maybe not, not as much is happening for Philly as some of us would like, but uh, things are going well. Alex, we're super excited to have you on, um, and I'm ready to talk Sixers. All right, let's jump into it, Chris. Yeah, so let's just start off with who Philly has signed so far. I think the biggest name by far, somewhat unfortunately, has been Andre Drummond, who signed a one-year contract for the veterans minimum. We all saw the stuff from the Sixers' Twitter account today with Andre and, and Joel shaking hands. We, we know the history there. Uh, Joel tweeted out that Drummond was a hashtag bum a couple years back. There's there, there's quite an extensive beef there. Uh, seems to be water under the bridge. But Alex, for, first off, what were your initial thoughts on that signing? Uh, my initial thoughts on that signing were just like kind of I don't know agony. <laughs> I just when, when I heard the name Andre Drummond, I just heard that you know I remembered all the Embiid stuff, and you know I just kind of wasn't thinking about it critically. And I'm like, man, I, I would have just liked to have had Howard back, but you know I guess they were in a tough place. Um, because, you know, Howard wanted to go back to L.A. The more I thought about it, I didn't hate it as much uh, as I initially did. Uh, I think Drummond was all right in Los Angeles. Part of the problem there was that they had those lineups with him and Davis on the floor together, which didn't do the best. So if he's just coming here to be backup five to Embiid, I think it's fine. 
And the other problem with Dwight Howard is he did have kind of the fouling issue and was sort of borderline unplayable in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if Andre Drummond helps you that much in that department. I think he's a little bit of an upgrade just because he's eight years younger. Um, but, you know, it, it really all factors around Ben Simmons and whether they want to bring him back because I think the spacing situation is the same if you're running Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond lineups in the playoffs or if you're lining Ben Simmons, you know, uh, Dwight Howard lineups in the playoffs. So I think that's a problem. But, you know, I, I think this move was kind of made in mind with, well, let's just get his backup center and see what happens. I tend to think, well, we'll get to this later, that Ben Simmons will be out uh, anyway uh, in some kind of trade. So I don't hate the signing as much as I initially did. But uh, I, I do think there are some, you know, fit question marks that kind of need to be worked out. I definitely can jump on board with that, that philosophy of fit. Uh, it will be tough, especially when the playoffs come around and, and hopefully Doc will be able to adjust because uh, we saw what Howard did. And, and Chris has been a, a really, really vocal about the ineffectiveness of, of Howard in the playoffs. But for me, I think the initial reaction was what? <laughs> because if yeah. irony if irony was a duo it would be these two guys and when i say these two guys i mean joel Embiid and andre Gemma because of like you said chris the beef that they've had going back him calling him a bum on social media and and now that they're teammates it, it i think it'll clearly change the dynamic of their relationship but i just want to remind people okay four times in his career drummond has led the nba in rebounds one year he averaged 16 rebounds. That hasn't been done since the days of Dennis Rodman. He's a two-time All-Star. And yeah, I know. He's a little long in the tooth. And he didn't really do much uh, when he was cle with Cleveland or with the Lakers. But I'm not mad at it. I mean, if you can give Embiid, you know, 15 minutes of rest and put Drummond in 15 to 20 minutes, grab some boards, score a couple layups, please don't go to the free throw line. Uh, but I I'm not mad at it. And like you said, Alex, uh, Howard, he, he jumped ship. He wanted to go back to L.A., so we're, we're in a tough spot. Uh, I know Chris would like to give those minutes to B-Ball Paul, but I'll, I'll save that for him with his response. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm in the same boat as y'all. I just kind of laughed for a little bit when I saw the notification. But, I mean, upon like thinking about it, it, it's a pretty sweet move. Like Drummond is still a, a pretty good player. Obviously, the L.A. stint didn't go quite as he hoped it would, but you're right. Like two years ago, he was averaging almost 18 and 16. Like, like this is a guy who has produced at a really high level before. Uh, you know, Howard, if he was good at one thing last season, it was rebounding. He was one of the best rebounders per minute in the game. Drummond's even better. So if anything, he's he's pretty much an upgrade over what Howard gave you. I agree that the Ben Simmons fit is not ideal if Ben ends up sticking around. But just on a pure talent basis, there, there's no risk. It's a minimum contract. The only risk, I suppose, is that if Drummond does stink it up, that Doc will stick with him anyways because he's Doc Rivers. But just on a talent basis, he's better than Dwight. I don't have some of the concerns that I would have with Dwight. He's younger. He's only 28. Um, you know, does he maybe clog up the ball a little bit more than Dwight? Does he, does he try to do too much at times? Yes. But in a backup role, 15 minutes a night, like you said, Uriah behind Joel, he really has to perform well this season. Like this is kind of make or break for him. He's he's gone from an all star to being the backup to a guy who 
has has embarrassed him on multiple occasions. Like like if he doesn't have a good year, he we get to the point where we're kind of questioning his future. So the motivation seems to be there. I, I think he's still a good player, generally speaking. So I, I'm excited to see how it plans out. I, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of it, frankly. But it, it's definitely funny. Just just the irony of it is pretty pretty great. And we can we can talk now about Furkan Korkmaz. Of course, he re-signed on a three-year, $15 million deal. Alex, were you surprised by that? Do you think he got maybe less than what his market value was? What were your initial thoughts there? I thought he, yeah, I thought he would get more, um, just based on the money that gets thrown around in free agency. I thought he would get at least eight or nine mil per year. Um, so I do think it's kind of a steal to get him at five mil per. Um, and they didn't have to dip into any of the mid-level exception or anything for his contract. So uh, I think that's pretty solid. And he, he proved last year and the last two years in particular that he was kind of just. He went from, you know, kind of like the goofy guy that they bring off the bench to like, okay, he's a legitimate contributor, right? Uh, really, ever since the Portland uh, buzzer, like, that was kind of when he really broke out um, from 2019. So uh, really good, you know, three-point shooter. Uh, I think he's going to kind of, you know, still contribute. But I was fine with re-signing Quirk Maz, uh, especially because everything else is just so up in the air it feels nice to have that constant because you know danny green's probably not coming through that door um george hill was probably well definitely not coming through that door he's in milwaukee uh and so you know to have somebody who's a constant and you know at least can give you some pretty good minutes every game uh i I think that is important hey sixers fans summer is here are you ready to unveil your beach bod You're in luck, because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawn Mower 4.0. So, what's in the Manscaped performance package? Well, inside the package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So, join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Handle your trimming needs this summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off using the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast. Alex, did you say goofy guy? The goofy guy off the bench. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, love it, it, I love that. Those those uh those big yellow and green shoes that he used yeah. to wear. <laughs> so check it out. Good. You you mentioned the uh the the shot in Portland. I'll 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 take that, but then I'll raise you that shot he made against the Bucks that sent him in overtime. That was another clutch yeah, shot yeah. for a comment. So the one thing I love about Corkmans is he's not afraid to shoot. Yeah. And in this offense that revolves around Joel Embiid and his post-presence, you need players like that. So clearly Philadelphia saw him as an asset that fits within Doc Rivers' system that will spread the floor, create space. His numbers dipped a little bit uh, in terms of percentage. Uh, The number of three-point shots remained consistent from the previous season. I was surprised. I thought he was going to go to another team that was going to maybe give him, I don't know, maybe $8 million a year. But the loyalty that I guess he feels to this team um, and the ups and downs he's been through throughout his career. I, I think that resonated with him. And, and part of me is glad that he's back. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Alex. I thought maybe he would get like eight or nine, you know, the full mid-level exception somewhere else. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know if I would have been comfortable paying that if I was Philly. I, I think five per year is a much more reasonable number for Furkan. Um, but, it, but it is good value, right? Like you said, Uriah, he's probably the most volume-heavy shooter on the team on a per-minute basis. Um, that's a very important attribute next to Joel and Ben if he sticks around or even if it's just Joel and whoever like volume shooters are what make this offense tick so his confidence in that respect is really important to the second unit if Danny doesn't resign we're recording this on Wednesday evening there's a chance you know something breaks soon with Danny but like Danny isn't coming back which seems pretty likely Furkan might be the starter next season like that's in the conversation so it's nice to have him back they clearly need the wing depth right now whoa 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 whoa! you would start Furkan over Matisse well that's what Doc did in the playoffs uh, all right all right my bad I didn't mean to interrupt you but you're but right I, I mean I'm not saying I would but it seems very possible just yeah. given what Doc has done in the past okay um and I mean I do think if you're losing Danny the big thing you're losing there is like a quick trigger shooter and that that's Furkan's the next guy up in that respect so um I, I think it's good to have him back the the odds of this like turning into a bad contract are pretty slim because it's just not that much money um for a 24 year old who shoots the ball at a high level so i i like it a lot more than i would have liked you know three years 27 million or something like that uh, so so i'm a pretty big fan i think he'll get you know 20 something minutes a game again next season and and be a pretty big piece off the bench if not the starter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so the last guy Philly assigned up to this point, at least, is uh, George's Niang, who spent the last five years in Utah, former Iowa State Cyclone. Everyone has kind of billed him so far as the Mike Scott replacement. 6'7", 230, shoots a really nice three ball. Uh, what were your thoughts there, uh, Alex? What, what, what are your opinions on him? Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of the natural stretch four that's kind of going to be there. And, like, at the trade deadline last year, I remember just being like, oh, this team kind of needs a stretch four. Um, And that's sort of what Niang is. Uh, Obviously, he shoots 40% from three. I don't know if I see him necessarily as a Mike Scott. I think he's kind of better than that a little bit, um, considering the point in his career where Mike Scott is. I would probably rather have Niang and they got him on a pretty cheap deal too, just two years, 6.7 million. Uh, I think he was a guy that the Sixers took a look at last year when it came to the trade deadline. Um, so, or, you know, in that kind of market. So I, I was happy to have him here. Um, I don't think he can be your only move, right? Uh, like, well, you know, like we've said, um, you know, I don't think you can just bring in Niang and Drummond, right? There's so many holes in this team that need to be filled, especially if, if Danny Green is leaving, but I was fine with it. I think it's a good signing and, you know, it's just kind of like an efficient uh, stretch for kind of classic Maury signing, uh, you know, so uh, I was good with it. And then, you know, you can figure out kind of what you want to do with the rest of the guys on the roster. But uh, I think they had a pretty clear need when it came to take to the four on this team. Yeah. When, when they signed him, I had to go to Google and be like, <laughs> who is this guy, Nyang? I couldn't even present, pronounce his name. And probably because I've watched the Utah Jazz maybe a handful of times in the past decade. So I don't watch a lot of Jazz basketball unless they play the Sixers. 
So like like you said, Alex, he uh, good stats when it comes to him shooting threes. Could he be the Mike Scott replacement? I agree, Alex. He's a step above. He's younger. He's he's hungrier. He just got this contract for two years. So if I just give the listeners an idea of where he's coming from, his first year in Indiana, he played pretty much zilch. Okay, really horrible numbers, rookie numbers. What you expect? But then once he got to Utah, I don't know if he got injured, but his second year he only played nine games. But then after that. The subsequent three years, all of his numbers kept going up. Games played, minutes played, three-point percentage went up. So I think it's a, a good fit for the Sixers considering – and I'll tell you exactly how many um, three-point attempts he attempted with Utah last year. He shot, he shot 4.1. So you throw in his attempts, which are more likely to go in than Mike Scott's, uh, his attempts plus Curry's attempts plus hopefully Danny Green's back – We'll find out. And I think he's the type of player that the Sixers need to come in and just stretch the floor even more than, than what we have with our roster. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I agree with what both of you said. Niang is pretty much just the superior version of Scott, a much better shooter does all the things Scott did pretty much at a higher level. I mean, most of last season was just Scott camping out on the three point line and being not a very good shooter. Yang is a pretty great shooter, um, like career 40.4%, shot above 42% last season on over four attempts, as you said, Uriah. Um, he's a guy I'd be much more comfortable giving minutes to than Scott. Uh, depending on how things shake out, he could very well get minutes next season. A very legitimate rotation piece was a really nice fit in that Utah offense. I expect them to find similar success in Philly's offense, just given how much this team relies on shooters. So... Uh, a guy that would make a lot of sense next to Joel and Ben and a lot of those those uh, bigger groups. So I, I, I like it quite a bit. All right, let's turn the corner, guys, and let's talk about some Sixers players from last year who are not returning. And we'll start with the big man who, for me, I, I had hated him his entire career until he became <laughs> a Sixer, finally warmed up to him, and now he's gone. So we'll start with Dwight Howard. Alex, what was your initial reaction when Howard decided to go back to Los Angeles? Yeah, um, it feels weird just because Howard was only here for like eight months when you consider how last year in free agency worked. But it, it feels like he was almost kind of here longer um, just with the relationship he had with the fans and everything. Um, I remember just kind of defending that signing at the time. And I was like, no, I mean, he could be a decent, you know, backup five to, to Joel. Uh, and I thought he was, at least for the regular season, um, like Chris talked about, and I mentioned in one of my articles when I talked about the pros and cons, it's just uh, when it came playoff time, I think it was really hard to, to play him, especially with Ben, but I think there were things that were also emblematic just in Dwight's game with how much he fouls um, and, and sort of how sloppy he can be at times that you know weren't Ben-related necessarily. Um, you know, you go back to that finals in the bubble and Dwight Howard got benched for Alex Caruso. Um, so that, that is a thing that happened, right? So like that, that is the coaching staff looking at the numbers and being like, well, we can afford to go small here uh, instead of play Dwight in, in this matchup. So uh, I, I do think it's kind of funny that he, with this whole LA structure that he's going, we're going from Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard to Russell Westbrook and Dwight Howard. It's just kind of like, you know, the almost the same thing in some respects. So 
Um, yeah, I, I think that it's uh, it, it made a lot of sense for him to go back there. I have concerns that it'll work out uh, to, to the extent that it did when he was there the first time and, and culminating the championship. But I think he can be their classic five. Um, but yeah, I mean, my problem with how they do the big man thing is the same thing I mentioned with Drummond is they wanted to play Drummond and AD on the floor together a lot. And if they're going to do that with Howard again and just have AD at the four, Howard at the five, um, I think that that's not the way to go. I think you pretty much have to make Davis the center and make Howard the five or the backup five like he was to Joel this season. I think that's the role he's best in, but it doesn't seem like that's what the Lakers are going to do. Yeah, I mean, I think broadly speaking at this point, you you have to bring Howard off the bench. I just don't think he's a starting caliber center yeah. at this point. And especially with Russell Westbrook, if, if they don't move <laughs> Davis to the five, they're uh, going to – the offense gonna, is going to be quite a spectacle. But, yeah, look, I, I – as you might – guess people who listen I, I i didn't really mind the you know him leaving <laughs> I, I it didn't really strike me in any way um really was, really I'm like i was fine with it drummond's better <laughs> he wasn't playable in the playoffs now doc doesn't have the temptation to play him again in the playoffs so i'm fine with it you know <laughs> drummond's better uh he was obviously great in the locker room really connected with the young guys connected with joel and ben i i, I don't think we should underrate like like his leadership last season i think that was like a legitimate thing and clearly the fans loved him too but he really isn't bringing much on the court at this point so uh it it doesn't hurt the sixers i don't think so i'm, I'm fine with it yeah the one thing i have to say to you alex is you mentioned ben simmons and the whole dynamic of westbrook now having to be on the same floor with dwight howard look the difference between simmons and Westbrook is Westbrook never met a shot he didn't like. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> for better and worse. Uh, for better or worse. Yeah. So I I agree with you, Chris. And uh I was texting back and forth with my uh with my buddy Scott and and we both agree that at this point Drummond is a better player than Howard. He brings more to the table. Howard, like you said, Chris, did have leadership qualities that was essential to the bond that the team uh developed last year. Uh he had I didn't realize how good of a teammate he could be considering he was such an enigma when he bounced around from charlotte atlanta dc just right. all over he came into his own as a, as a as a leader he's going back to la best of luck i missed him with the whole frosty freeze out things but i won't miss the silly fouls and in, in the technicals that he would get. Right. but hey more power to you dwight yeah and i i do think on like the leadership note if there's one big knock against Drummond, it's that he's probably not gonna you know bring the locker room together in the no, same way. No um, way. <laughs> Dwight, Dwight, to his credit, at least tried hard when he was on the floor last year. Uh, Drummond has a tendency to be pretty apathetic at times. We'll see if that changes this year with his contract situation. Because, uh, again, he is kind of do-or-die year for him. But that's probably the biggest difference there is that Howard's effort level and personality you was not an issue. That was not where he struggled. That that could be the case with Drummond. So if there's any potential drop off there, it's that. But I, I in the end, I think Drummond's just more not talented. Obviously, Dwight was an MVP back in his caliber player. But given where their ages are, Drummond's just a better player. Look, when it comes to leadership, when Dame Lillard comes, we won't have to worry about anybody filling Dwight Howard's leadership shoes. But 
anyway. <laughs> uh, the other player who's moving on is George Hill. If you remember midseason, the Sixers traded Tony Bradley for George Hill. And shout out to Lucas, who's not here tonight. He's on vacation. Uh, he really was a big fan of, of Tony Bradley. But Sixers brought in George Hill thinking he would be the stabilizing factor with all this experience and, and veteran leadership. And he just put up a dud in the playoffs. So, Alex, what do you think about George Hill moving on to Milwaukee? Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, just him going back there seems to kind of make sense uh, with with his game at this point. <laughs> with how the Sixers rotation worked, it it just never felt like he clicked. And he also came here while he was injured. Um, and I'm sure that kind of played into things a little bit. But, I mean, he had to be in a lot of like Ben, George Hill, Matisse lineups sometimes or yeah. like I don't know Ben uh, George Hill or you know there was some Maxi George Hill at times like it just never felt like it, it it was a total fit here and that may be kind of one of the ones that Maury got wrong um when we look back at it yeah I, I just don't think he really fit the team when it came time for the playoffs um and you know he also was brought into game late right I don't know how the playoffs play out if George Hill was here at the beginning of the year and, and, you know, maybe he had a chance to kind of gel in more. Um, I was surprised that they did decide to outright waive him as opposed to, you know, try to kind of use that financial flexibility and maybe, you know, uh, one of the ideas was to like package him with the 28th pick for something. They, they could have done that, but they took Jaden Springer, which uh, I think was the right move. But, um, you know, then that kind of left him there and there's still Danny that's up in the air. So um, I wouldn't have loved to have, have George Hill back. I think he's a decent defensive player. But at this point, I think his offensive game is pretty limited. So that is what it is. But I also don't like that they kind of waived him and basically just freed up a roster spot while not trying to get something in return for him, even if it was a pick or something. So uh you know it, it you know it, it's kind of interesting because he sort of left the bucks on not the best of terms and now he's back with the bucks <laughs> after mm-hmm. a title so that that was kind of funny to me I forgot, but, that, um, I forgot that he was with with milwaukee that's yeah uh, that's just how much time has passed and you know he's gone from cleveland to milwaukee to okc mm-hmm. to philly just been a lot of teams in a lot of years um but yeah i I would have minded bringing him back, but I also think that waving him and the way that that, you know, let the mid-level ex- uh, exception and all that stuff work out. I don't know if it was the smartest move, but he probably didn't really fit in the rotation next year. I mean, I, I might take a bit of a different stance on that. I, I, I think it just kind of sucks all around, you know, because obviously yeah. you traded a lot to get him, relatively speaking, and now that pretty much is a wash. Also, I agree, like, waving him, it feels right now, unless they let Danny walk and use the rest of the mid-level, which doesn't seem like they probably would, seems like a tax-ducking move when Hill's contract, if nothing else, is, like, something you could trade for another player, Um, which isn't ideal when you're trying to maximize Joel Embiid's championship window. But also, like, he was coming off an injury last year, new team, only played, like, a third of the season, COVID messed up that year for a lot of players and teams. Like, I I think he's probably a better player than we saw on the floor last season. And, like, like, 
I think he would have a spot. He, despite how bad he was, he was one of like two or three bench players who was at least playable in the playoffs. Like I, I think he's still a rotation piece next year if you bring him back. Um, like, like he's certainly better than Shake Milton. I don't know if we can rely on Jaden Springer right away. Right. Um, you're giving him to Milwaukee, where I'm sure he's going to play, and he's probably going to do better than he did last season, if I had to venture a guess. And the Bucks are a team you're trying to catch in the East. So I, I it kind of stinks. It, it I, I would have brought him back and just tried to trade the contract at least. But we'll see if Maury has anything else up his sleeve. Um, my tune could change, you know, tomorrow when they side Dennis Schroeder for six million or whatever. But until then, uh, it it just seems kind of like a a tax ducking move, which just isn't my favorite mindset for a team that's trying to win. Yeah, you guys make great points, and Alex, the whole idea of not being able to package him in a trade with with maybe a draft pick or somehow getting Lillard here, which I think every Sixers fan in the city wants to see. I I didn't have a problem with with Hill. He came in here after an injury, like you guys mentioned, and I really do believe that he's the reason why Shake went into a shell. I think Shake maybe felt, maybe heard some footsteps coming. They kind of play the same position. Uh, Here you have a more decorated player, Playoff experience, been around the league, uh, well-respected. And then I think Shake maybe felt like he felt pressure. So he didn't really play as effectively as he as he could have, although he did save us in game two of, of the Atlanta series. But anyway, so, yeah, I don't – I'm kind of indifferent. I liked Hill, but then he's not here. We have a lot of other talent that can step up. But I, I think I'm a little indifferent about the George Hill. I, uh, I, I do want to say one thing about Shake. I, it's oh, not like God. he was lighting it up in the weeks leading up to the George Hill trade. He had like two good weeks at the beginning of the season. And then from that point on, it was a pretty bumpy ride. Like I've, I've broken out this theory on the pod before. I, I, I don't think Shake is very good. <laughs> I think he's just not a very good player. Um, You know, he's not super advanced as a playmaker. He relies a lot on making tough jumpers. And when those jumpers aren't falling and they weren't falling last season, He's not a great athlete. He's a terrible defender. Like, like he just might not be that good. So I don't know if we can blame George Hill for him going into a shell. That might just be his like right. base level outcome. But he, he was again the fifty something, you know, pick. It, it was not like he was a highly touted elite prospect. So I don't know. I mean, I think Shake is he can he's still an NBA player, but I just don't know if he's that good i i I just want to say that just so you know alex chris and i we always agree on every topic (laughs) as you can tell (laughs) i thought shake was a very um awkward player to watch at times because he was either the player that could give you like 15 off the bench or he would just be like a total zero at times um and so you know that was kind of very clear last season i um i i i didn't you know, George Hill, I guess you could say, is a more consistent player. Like, you know, what you were getting out of him. Um, I think if you take good of Shake, it's probably more dynamic than what you're getting out of the average Hill. But, right, like Chris said, I think that the, the bad of Shake and when he has those moments, unlike game two in Atlanta, which 
was kind of fluky even of itself because you know he fell down on that three and somehow still made it and then that you know started that whole you know sequence but um yeah i, I definitely think that george hill uh is kind of you know the shake milton if shake milton figured out stuff 10 years from now um but you know so i i i, I you know i don't know if i'd like the, pro- uh, the prospect of playing shake more but I think it's probably just going to have to happen unless they sign a lot of guards very quickly. All right. I was going to add more to that, but I'm not going to. Uh, Let's talk about some of the other free agency moves that have been made recently. Alex, we'll go to you first. Just broadly speaking, any teams that have caught your eye so far, any specific moves that you think, you know, that really just pop to you? Like, like what, what are your thoughts on free agency so far? The Lakers are, you know, kind of perplexing in the sense that I'm like, oh, okay, they got like a Kendrick Nunn or a player like that and a, you know, THT for relatively inexpensive Malik Monk. But it's like, oh, they also signed Bazemore, Dwight Howard, and Carmelo. So (laughs) it's sort of a, 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 you know, a little bit of a hectic free agency for them. Don't forget Uh, Wayne Ellington. Oh, Wayne Ellington. Yeah, Wayne Ellington's a, I think that's an okay signing. Good shooter. Um, Good shooter. Good shooter. I mean, they, they need that with the lineup that they're rolling out now for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think the Heat certainly got a lot better. I don't think by any means that they've pushed themselves into that Bucks nets tier in the East. Um, but I think they're kind of in that tier that's second to that. I think Lowry and Butler are going to be, unfortunately, um, really good together. And, you know, they got P.J. Tucker on that deal which sort of, you know, came out of nowhere. I, I just assumed he would really be back in Milwaukee. Um, so that's a great deal for a pretty good defender. Um, don't know how I feel about giving Duncan Robinson $90 million, uh, but, you know, he can shoot from three. So that that's a pretty decent free agency. And they also get a guy like Markeith Morris that I think can help. So, I mean, those are the two big ones that I noticed. Obviously, Washington gets uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, so they're going to try to, Pair him with Bradley Beal, which I think is a better fit on paper than the whole Westbrook situation was. Other than that, you know, I mean, the Bulls are, are the team that everybody's talking about, but uh, I, I kind of liked every move the Bulls made until the DeMar DeRozan deal. Uh, I don't know how I feel about giving him $30 million a year uh, almost on that contract, especially with how his game has been in the last few years. But uh, no, I mean, other than that, it's been a relatively normal free agency. Everybody is just kind of filling in their pieces on their roster. Um, and so those are the teams that have really caught my eye. Um, but yeah, some of these deals, uh, I think the Nets are kind of interesting in the sense that Patty Mills deal, I think, is actually really good for them. Uh, again, unfortunately, <laughs> we talked about it from a Sixers context, but um I think it was really just kind of boomer bust uh, for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, I know we'll talk about Kemba Walker here in a second. Uh, and so I thought that was an all right move, especially because I think that pairs really nicely with Derek Rose. But um, overall, it was kind of a pretty normal free agency. Uh, I think we knew Chris Paul was going to stay. I think we knew Kawhi, well, technically Kawhi hasn't resigned, but I feel like we know he's probably going to stay, but... Uh, aside from that, it was just filling in the holes on teams. And I think every team kind of had varying degrees of it. I think he got better, the Lakers, TBD. Um, but those are kind of some of my general takeaways. So I'm a little depressed. I wrote an article a couple months ago 
about Steph Curry coming to the Sixers. And I was trying to speak it into existence. I found every, every just, I don't know, every reason why he should come to the Sixers, playing with his brother, playing with Embiid, you know, the whole Tom Brady and uh, comparison where Brady left an area that he was a god and went someplace new, but he resigned with the Warriors. So that disappointed me. <laughs> and of course, hey, look, I got to give a shout out TJ McConnell. And uh, uh, who's uh, TJ? And who's the other sixer that got paid? Nerlens. Oh, he, oh, oh, that's right. Nerlens did get a, a contract, but no, I was thinking uh, Rashawn Holmes. But so Nerlens, mm-hmm. uh, you know what? For no, forget Nerlens Noel. I can't stand that guy. We traded Drew <laughs> Holiday for him. But anyway, shout out to Rashawn Holmes and TJ McConnell. They got paid. They got contracts with the teams that they were currently with. And of course, you can't not talk about the Lakers and their geriatric team. Uh, I guess the average age of that team now is, what, 32.5 or something? I don't know. So the Lakers, they're trying to, you know, stack the chips so they can get a, another championship for all these guys who have been suffering for years in the league, like uh, Carmelo and and um, and uh, Russ uh, Westbrook. Here's the interesting thing. I'm, I'm sitting here scrolling down and looking at all these teams that made transactions. The one team that didn't make any reported signings yet, the Minnesota Timberwolves. That makes me wonder if they're packaging something for Ben. But anyway, Miami, I'm looking at them right now. They have a big laundry list of, of signings. They clearly don't care about money down there because they're just throwing away money. Clippers, nothing really going on there except they're waiting on Kawhi. But yeah, I, it's been interesting. I, I I, you know, I was glued to the TV the other night when um, Rachel Nichols would hit the button and then, you know, smoke would go in the air. So it, it's fun. I love this time of the year. I just wish the Sixers would be making more noise. That's just me. Um, as far as the Lakers go, I, I don't think they got better. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of worried about them. But <laughs> um, I agree that, like, the Petty Mill stuff in Brooklyn, Nets are probably going to be even deeper next year so that's that's not ideal pj tucker the bucks seems like the bucks let him walk for like money purposes which is not the best look um again for a team that's trying to win another championship now pj tucker was pretty important to that run um you know just pay him i i mean come on um and miami gets tucker gets kyle i think they're pretty freaking good i don't think they're on the milwaukee brooklyn tier yet but i think they're right there i think they're certainly breathing down philly's neck I, right now it looks like the sixers could very well be an actively worse team going into next season um depending on what happens with danny so uh, I, the knicks with kimba as you mentioned alex like a lot of east teams are getting better sixers not so much which is a concern um I'll go to bat for Chicago. I really like the DeMar signing. I think he's still pretty good. I think the way you maximize Lonzo is you get multiple playmakers in there and let him like connect the dots and be a smart player. I, DeRozan averaged like seven assists a game last year. He's he's a really talented offensive player. The defense is a bit of a concern, but you, know, you have DeRozan, Levine, Lonzo, Vooch. I, I really like Patrick Williams. Like I think you're getting into the range there where – Chicago's a pretty solid playoff team. And like at the end end of the day, you have to, you know, convince Zach Levine to stay. Like that's that's the big MO there. Um he's a free agent coming up. You don't want to trade him. You don't want him to ask out. You 
don't want him to walk. You, you know, you have to show him that you're committed to winning. And I think DeRozan does that. I think he's still a very good player. I, I agree that there are maybe some concerns about giving him $30 million a year for three more years because he's getting up there in age. But I, I, I like the philosophy behind the move. I think Chicago is going to be a pretty fun team to watch next season. Um, but, yeah, I, I think those are my main takeaways. Imagine how many lobs he's going to throw per game. And it's interesting. He played with Zion, who can jump out the gym. But to be able to go on a fast break, Lonzo Ball, leading the break down the center of the court, and on each wing he has DeMar DeRozan and, of course, Zach Levine. <laughs> I think, Chris, I think Chicago is going to be a problem next year because you have a solid point guard now. Vucevic is going to get more of a feel of the system in Chicago. Zach Levine is going to be more uh, more motivated to elevate his play as a leader of that team. So I think Chicago is going to be a problem. I'm worried because the Sixers essentially, even though they got three new guys, I, 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 they're the same team as last year, in, in my opinion. So I, I'm disappointed in what Philadelphia's done so far. However, we know that Daryl Morey's got some up his sleeve, and it's just a matter of time to see if he can land Dame. Well, yeah, like the thing is we keep saying that, but it's been a year and a half now and nothing's happened yet, and it's looking like we might lose Danny. So I'm getting a little concerned that maybe the Sixers just don't have anything up their sleeve unless – I don't think out. it's been a year and a half. I think it's only been a year. Well, a season and an off season. I, I, well, he, He's been around the block once already. And- I know you don't want to hear this, Chris, but I have to put it out there. Alex, you listening? So – it's kind of tough when you have a polarizing player like Ben Simmons, who's, in my opinion, is holding the team hostage. He's doing all stuff on, on social media, and we're kind of jumping the gun with some of the topics coming up. But I just think to put it all on Daryl Morey saying, oh, he's dragging his feet or he's not making the right calls. Oh, no. I think it's, it's kind of hard when you have a player who became an international – yes, I said international – embarrassment uh, a punchline to not just his peers in nba that mock him but to people around the world like oh ben simmons he he's afraid to shoot <laughs> so it's hard for maury to make a move when you have this polarizing player who just stunk up the joint and it it's hard to be flexible with that i i agree i i definitely think like part of the reason maybe guys aren't signing in philly is because of the ben stuff like yeah, They've yeah. been second-round exits for four years. Are they really contenders? Why would they be a destination? They might trade their second-best player. They might not. Maybe we don't want to jump on that ship. I, I get that. I think that's totally reasonable. I, I don't think Maury's a bad GM. I don't want to put it out there like he doesn't know okay. what he's doing. Right. That, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. But I'm, I am saying like the Sixers with the Ben stuff, with Tobias eating up every ounce of cap space that he is, they, they don't have a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. It, one of the few tradable contracts they had, they just waived for nothing. Like <laughs> yeah. we're getting to the point where unless you can swap Ben for Beal or Lillard, you're probably going to be bringing in a lesser talent. Like it, it's tough to me to, you know, say like the Sixers are definitely going to be better next season. Like it seems pretty likely that they aren't going to be better and whether or not they bring Ben back, there's, there's, I don't know. It's just a tough situation. I, I it's not ideal. We'll see how things play out. I do have a lot of confidence in Maury. Like, if anyone is going to figure this out, it's probably going to be him. But I, I think Philly's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place with the Ben stuff right now. 
And I think also, you know, we could talk about like Ben being on the team from a positive and, and kind of negative perspective when it comes to free agents. Like, you know, a lot of people were talking about Kyle Lowry, right, at the trade deadline and, and maybe a little bit during free agency. Kyle Lowry is a guy that I think would rather have been on the team than not just because I think that kind of works better, right? If you have, you know, Lowry kind of facilitating the offense and Ben then as sort of like your stretch four a little bit. Um, so I think both, you know, there may not, there probably are a lot of players who don't want to play with Ben, but I also think there's a lot of players that are in like a, uh, we don't know what that team is going to be next year category because, you know, just we have no idea if they're trading Ben or not, uh, at least from a free agent standpoint. And I know fans probably have their minds made up one way or the other, but uh, you know, agents may be just steering clear of that situation, both positively and negatively. And I'm, I'm glad we're talking about Ben because that's where we're going next. So here's what's happening with Ben Simmons. There's always something happening with Ben. If you pay attention to what's going on with ESPN and, and all the news cycles, uh, Ramona Shelburne, who does a really great job writing pieces for ESPN, she went on air and she put it out there that she's heard that the Sixers are open to bringing back Ben Simmons. Yes, I'm going to put that in quotes, bringing back Ben Simmons. And she even said, I think they prefer that. Now, following that, add a little context. I know Chris is big on context, so I'll give it to you, Chris. She did say that after that, that that neither side is building a bridge and walking towards the center to try and mend things, which... I'll get to my opinion later. But anyway, Alex, what do you think about those comments from Ramona Shelburne? Do you think there's any validity? What, what do you think that's what's going on? there? Yeah, so I was actually at home watching the jump. And then, you know, after it aired, I saw that Bleacher Report notification where it was like Ramona Shelburne says, you know, the Sixers uh, want to keep Ben Simmons, right? Or, you know, they're open to keeping him. Um, and that's just not really how I ever interpreted her comments, right? Like she had a line, I think, after where she's like, well, maybe the toothpaste is too far out of the tube, right? Um, and so to me, I interpreted that to kind of mean, well, yeah, in an optimal world where Ben, you know, works with the shooting coach and it all works out, then sure, the Sixers would probably rather have Simmons back than trade him uh, at a declined value. Right. For, from where it used to be. Um, but that's just not where they are. Right. Like, it doesn't seem like Ben is actually working with shooting coaches. Right. I mean, he's doing the Instagram thing again, where it's, you know, uh, more shooting jumpers against, you know, a five foot six coach at a gym. Um, so that's the point of the offseason we're in now. And it doesn't seem like there's many serious plans going forward to be like, OK, this is how we're going to fix Ben Simmons game. I know they just hired um, Dame's uh, coach or one of Dame's coaches from Weaver State. Um, so that will be interesting to see how that plays into both the Ben thing in terms of the shooting and, you know, potentially a Dame pursuit. But um, yeah, to me, this didn't really change anything. Um, I know maybe like, you know, Maury's valuing Simmons too high. That's been a thing in recent trade talks, but I think he's just kind of starting from the place of highest value and then, you know, seeing where the negotiation takes him, uh, like the talks with Toronto and, and Washington and some of those places have been like. 
but yeah, to me, the Ramona comments and, and the larger reporting on Ben Simmons this week hasn't changed really much to me. Uh, I don't think he's going to be on the team. Uh, and, you know, whether that's trading him in a lateral move, you know, much like the kind of Wiggins Wiseman deal, like the Warriors suggested, or, you know, if that's trading him to, you know, Toronto for some kind of assets as that team rebuilds, or if that is a Beal or Dame trade, uh, whatever it is, I, I don't think he's going to be on the team next year. And while I think the Sixers would like to keep him in the optimal world, I think they know their relationship with Ben Simmons is far from the optimal world. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think at this point, you know, to quote Zach Lowe, I do think the toothpaste is a little too far out of the tube. It just seems that way from what was conveyed on that segment of the jump. It seems like Ben probably wants out. Like, it seems like that's a pretty safe assumption that Ben would prefer not to be a sixer next year. Um, but you look at it from Philly's perspective, I, I, I think they're taking the right approach in that Daryl is clearly asking a lot for, of other teams, as he should, because Ben, at the end of the day, is a 25-year-old who has three All-Star appearances and a Defensive Player of the Year candidacy on his resume. He, he's quite a good player still. Um, and, and the Sixers should not trade him just to trade him. I, I agree, in, like in an optimal world, given how low his value is in comparison to his talent as a player, Maybe you bring him back, try to work something out closer to the trade deadline after he's boosted his value a little bit. Like I, I think the Sixers would probably like that because unless it's a Beal trade or a Lillard trade, they're probably not going to get actively better. But if Ben is like pushing the needle, if Ben is clearly wanting out, there, there's not much they can do. It'll be interesting to see how this evolves. But uh, yeah, again, like Rock, hard place really not a great spot for the Sixers to be uh, I'm, I'm really quite worried about what this team is going to look like next season what the energy around the team is going to be if Ben does return there are a lot of concerns there but we'll, we'll see what happens yeah I, I have a feeling that maybe that information was planted so that they can put that out there and, and just right right now Philadelphia is boxed in a corner right because of Ben's deficiencies and what was seen uh, during the playoffs. So to kind of keep his value high, you have, you have that poll that went out to the NBA coaches saying that Simmons is the best defender in the league, which is, it's good for the Sixers because that gives him more value. And, and he is a top notch defender in terms of Ramona Shelburne, just putting that out there. You look through the context, like you said, Alex, it may <clears throat> lean towards really not being much, but I, I do agree with you both that it, he really can't be here. He just he just can't. There's too much toxic uh, just substance within his aura, uh, you know, whether it's what's going on during the playoffs or, you know, his his activities in the offseason, which a lot of fans and I listen to talk radio every single day. So I know the pulse of the Philadelphia fans and there's a resentment because if it's one thing, if you don't put your heart on on the floor like and did playing hurt. It's a whole different thing when the offseason has arrived and all of your peers, or at least the stars of the league, the other all-stars in the league, or they're playing the Olympics or they're working really hard in the gym. Well, I just want to say, like, at the end of the day, if Maury can't be basing his decisions off of what the fan base wants, like, that, that's a one-way ticket to a very bad place. Like, he, he has to separate himself from that, but... 
I don't know. I, I mean, I would rather have been on the roster opening night than trade him for Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and some picks. Like, I'd, I'd rather just Chris, keep in at that speaking, point. You are speaking from logic. I, I will concede that. <laughs> you, uh, it, you make all the sense in the world. And I'm sure Daryl Morey is going to take that because he's smarter than everyone here on this podcast. Uh, so I, I, I concede. You're absolutely right. Keep going. Well, yeah. No, I mean, it's just like maybe the energy is going to be a little crappy. Maybe Ben doesn't really want to be there, but he has four years on his contract and he has no leverage because he just crapped his pants on national TV. So it really doesn't matter where he wants to be. He has no leverage in this situation. Right. Whether he works out with a shooting coach or not, no matter how much he posts on Instagram, you know, he's still probably going to be the same player at least, which is still a good enough player to win a lot of games next season to boost his trade value by the deadline and probably get you something better than Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, if that's like the best offer they can get, I, I think it makes sense to bring him back. Because like, who cares what Ben wants? Like, who cares? It, it's really not Here's something thing, that Chris. should factor into their calculus at this point. Let's just, let's just peel back the, 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 the ugliness of what happened in that game seven. And, and we talked about last week in the podcast, and, and I'll get to the point that Neil Hartman made two weeks ago. But you peel back and you think that you know a team is a team. The coach can only do but so much. But here's a guy that's going to come back from the offseason. And is it going to be the same old thing? I don't think anybody on this podcast has any trust that Ben is going to change. So you put him in the locker room with all these other players who have a, a goal of achieving a championship. And you know that this guy is not putting in the time. There's going to be a toxic environment. I don't want him in that locker room on day one. I don't even want him in the locker room during preseason. But that, you know, that's just me. So real quick, Alex, well, hold on, Chris, because Chris, okay. you mentioned okay. you don't want to just give him away for anything. Yes. And and I would <laughs> like to agree with that to a point. There was a report that Sixers were dangling Simmons in in um, in return. They would get Malcolm Brogdon and maybe a, a first round pick, maybe another Pacers player. Alex, would that would that be a good trade for you? Uh, I get. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon in a first. I mean, I feel like Malcolm Brogdon yeah. in a first is the starting point. I mean, I don't know if I like that as the okay, end TJ game. Okay, TJ Warren. Would you throw TJ Warren? Would you do it for those players in a pick? I can't believe we're here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's my larger Chris takeaway. Started. Chris started. <laughs> um, I mean, probably. Just say no. I, I, like, I... I should say no and be like, you know, that's the thing. To me, you know, we bring up the Game 7 stuff, and I think that definitely plays into it. But um, Nick Wright said something interesting, you know, I think the day after, you know, the loss happened. And he was like, you know, if you took the top 15 players in the NBA, um, the only fit that would be worse for Ben Simmons than Giannis is Joel Embiid, right? Part of the reason that Simmons not shooting is a problem right to the extent that it is is that Joel Embiid and the offense goes through him right like to me that is the overlying issue here um you know if you have like what Portland maybe wants to do right if we just you know trade CJ McCollum for Ben uh or do some kind of trade like that and then you know Portland has Ben for defense and you know they still are running game at the point 
if they want to do something like that, like to me, that is a much better fit, at least in it doesn't require Ben to, you know, do quite as much. Right. And Joel, you know, to his credit, like has always been trying to like make up for that. Uh, you know, he's been taking threes and, you know, now he's somehow like a 38% three point shooter, which is insane. Uh, you know, just in terms of his development in that category. And, you know, after years of Googling white guys shooting threes on YouTube, um, <laughs> you know, that's uh, one of the more amazing feats. But, you know, as much as you can try to like kind of fit the pieces together. And I think, you know, you know, you could try to bring in a Kyle Lowry, like I mentioned, and try to, you know, maybe mend it that way and have Joel shoot more threes. Like the problem is, I still think is the basketball problem at the end of the day, right? Which is, you know, Ben can attack the paint, but if he's not going to knock down free throws and he's not at least going to shoot some corner threes, I think it severely limits uh, the offense when it comes to the half court situation in the playoffs, uh, mm-hmm. especially because it, this team does go through Joel. So um, I think it's it's more at this point just from like a pure basketball standpoint, right? If Simmons isn't going to change this thing about his game and at least, you know, <laughs> you know, Brett Brown used to pound the table for like, hey, Ben, can you shoot like three of those a game, right? Like, can you just shoot three corner threes? And he wouldn't do it, right? Um, he shot that like one three against the Knicks and then shot like one three the rest of the season. Um, so that's just kind of what Ben is. I don't think he's going to change. And I think that fit, just gets particularly problematic uh, next to Embiid and the fact that they're not like a, a Portland-esque team where you can just surround them with shooters, right? That That's just not how the Sixers have been built uh, at least the last few years. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Like, clearly there's a basketball issue with Ben and Joel just in terms of fit, right? And clearly there, there's probably a cap on Philly's ceiling, for as long as Ben is your number two guy. But the the flip side of that is, like, the floor is pretty high. The floor is, like, the second round of the playoffs right now. Absolutely. The, the floor is really high. They weren't quite as far from, like, the championship last season as I think people think they were. Like, they're better than Atlanta. That Ben is never going to play that poor Lena series again. I'd stake my life on that. And like, like there are so many other issues in that series that could have swung it in Philly's favor, even with Ben being as god awful as he was. Like, like they should have been an Eastern Conference Finals team last season. That's without potentially getting Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline, which they didn't want to give up Maxi. More power to them, understandable. But like, if they had Kyle Lowry, they aren't losing to Atlanta. The Bucks are not like a juggernaut. The Bucks are really good, but they're not a juggernaut. Like, I don't think they were quite as far off last season as, as people are making them out to be. If you trade Ben for Brogdon, I think that lowers the floor a bit. Like, is, is Brogdon, Tobias, and Joel, like, a guaranteed second-round team? Maybe because Joel's just as good as he is. But you're losing a whole lot defensively there. Like, we can talk about the offensive fit, but I, I brought this up on the pod before. Like, the defensive fit, there's there's no – there are no two players – better like paired on defense than Joel and Ben like they complement each other so well on that side of the ball <clears throat> Matisse Thibel. not not to mention with Thibel but Thibel is not Ben Thibel can't do the same thing Thibel can be does. better than oh Thibel is going to be better Thibel is five inches shorter I'll put money on that I'll put money on that Thibel, Thibel is, will be and he'll be an all-time 
defensive player of the year. I'll put money on that. He but. is. And, and like the Thibault and Bede fit is also incredible. I, I agree. He might even be better than Ben, but they're different defenders. Ben is 6'10. Thibault is 6'5 and much skinny. Like they're not the same, right? And at the end of the day, you can play Ben 35 a night and get like 15 and 8 out of him. You, you can't play Thibault 35 a night yet because he's just not that good offensively. So we'll get him in Australia, though, Chris. He's lighting <laughs> up. He's lighting up for the Boomers. Yeah, he's scoring like twelve a game. All right, all right, all right. So, all right, let's move all on, right. guys. This is the last topic of the night. All right, Alex, <laughs> and we kind of brought it up a little bit earlier. We knew it was coming. We knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. How surprised are we that Ben Simmons has yet another video of himself posted shooting jump shots in a gym? Oh, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. This is just like the common Ben tactic at this point. Um, And it's just funny, you know, going through the last three or four years of this and just being like, you know, the progressive decline in how happy I was when I saw those videos, you know, just just the regression in in that statistic, uh, you know, it's it's really bad. Um, But yeah, no, I I remember like... um, you know, <laughs> I remember seeing like fans who were friends of mine who weren't Sixers fans being like, oh, man, you know, uh, Doc Rivers and, you know, Daryl Morey are saying like, oh, you know, they're going to get Ben to coach and it's going to work that way. And then people were like, oh, why haven't they done this before? And it's like, well, like Ben kind of says this and does this same song and dance every offseason. Um, so I, I think that's where we are. And, you know, Ben and Rich Paul have also said, you know, hey. Uh, we kind of agree with the trade at this point, even though they haven't outwardly demanded one. So, um, you know, it's it's disappointing uh, just to kind of see that this is how it's going to end. Uh, like Chris said, like Ben and Joel do theoretically have a high floor. And, you know, if a couple bounces go the wrong, you know, different way, they could have been in the conference finals. But, you know, the one change that Ben could have made to raise the ceiling is, is ultimately shooting. And uh, the fact that like, you know, all of it has just been this PR cover up on Instagram and all that is, has always been disappointing to me because I do think if Ben actually worked with a shooting coach and really wanted to change that aspect of his game, he could because he's freakishly talented at everything else he does on a basketball court. Um, and he's a three-time all-star and defensive player of the year finalist because of it, but he's just never wanted to improve that aspect of his game. And, um, there was kind of an interesting quote where, uh, I don't remember who exactly it was. It might've been, uh, I think I heard it on the Levitard show, but it was just like, how do you, how do you play basketball? Uh, or how do you love basketball without loving shooting? Right. Like, how does that happen? And that's just what happened with Ben and how he's kind of been developed to this point. So um, I don't have any confidence, of course, that it will change. Uh, I would imagine if you pulled Sixers fans, there might be like 5% of Simmons stragglers still holding on to these videos. Uh, but at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty done with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, could, I couldn't care any less about the video. I I. I expend no mental energy on ben simmons instagram account at this point it, it doesn't matter to me it, it i'm above that at this point but to your point alex i i like the thing is he's infuriating i agree that like the fit sucks i'm ready for him to go too i i really don't want to go through this 
for another season. But like at the end of the day, even if he's not committed to improving at all, he's still significantly better than just about everyone he's been thrown into trade rumors with, except right. for Damon Beal, which is like the problem. Like you can, if the Sixers act on impulse here or out of like spite and anger because Ben won't get better and they trade him for a worse player, they might screw themselves because they don't have a ton of assets otherwise. Like you can try to make some trade package out of Maxi, Thibel, and picks. But that's not going to get you, Damien. That's not going to get you a Bradley Beal-level player. And then you're stuck with Tobias, who's on still a bad contract. Or like De'Aaron Fox, Malcolm Brogdon. Like, you're just not as good a team. And I, it's just tricky. They have to – they can't come out of this with Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga, please. That, that just cannot be what happens, right? They, they have to, like – fight through the discomfort of it all they they have to be smart about it they they can't just deal on impulse here because if they make the wrong trade even if ben never improves another day in his life he's still like a top 30-ish player and he's still really good so if they make the wrong deal they, they kind of screw themselves over and you might slam the window on joel's competitive window at least in philly so they, they have to be smart about it which is just kind of where my concern lies all right guys there's a movie that came out in the early 90s i don't even i don't even know how old you guys were back then but i was in high school and i went i went to movie theater i saw it's called groundhog day you guys ever see that (laughs) yeah so there's a character played by bill murray his name is phil i am phil and i am in groundhog day because of ben simmons i am in the pickup truck with the beaver or groundhog or whatever animal it was. And I am falling over a cliff right now only to wake up and realize that I have to live through this all over again. This is where we are. It's sad. I agree with you, Chris, that it would be better to trade him. Like Neil Hartman said, you get a super for a super, but if we are left with no other option, we have to do something. He cannot be on this team when, when the season starts. Now, I have Brogdon's stats. I'm looking at it right now. Last season, and I know he got a little injured. Everyone gets injured. Simmons got injured two years in a row, and they call he's this Iron Man, and then they take shots at him because he misses games. Simmons missed a lot of games, too. Brogdon averaged 21.2 points a game and 5.9 assists. Is he a better defender than Simmons? Hell no. Nowhere close. But that really doesn't matter as much if you insert Thibault into the starting lineup. And Brogdon is a scorer. He'll shoot from the outside. He'll set the plays up. I think he's a good point guard. I think he's a better offensive point guard than Ben Simmons. Defensively, he doesn't touch Ben. But at this point, if you can't get Dane, what are you going to do? So back to the point real quick. I'm not surprised that he was shooting shots in the gym and someone's recording him. Either he is the most unaware athlete of all time in terms of what's going on with his name in the media, or he is trolling every single hater that has a right to hate on him. And we're talking about Philadelphia fans because no one else cares outside of Philadelphia. So uh, it's, that's where we are with Simmons. And it's like a revolving door of bad memories that just keep going around. Well, look, like, first off, I agree. Brogdon, Brogdon rocks. Malcolm Brogdon is a really good player, and he'd do really well in Philly. I'm, I'm not trying to, like, diminish 
Malcolm Brogdon fit, as Chris. a player. He's a he's good a great fit. fit. I agree. Yeah, Brogdon is awesome. Secondly, like it's again, it's like kind of like the Philly fans. We all talked ourselves into Al Horford after Jimmy <laughs> decided to walk. We're like, oh, Jimmy doesn't want to be here. Oh, Jimmy. Al Horford's going to be great. He's we can talk ourselves into anything. We'll talk ourselves into Malcolm Brogdon if it comes to that. But that doesn't mean it's the best outcome. You know what I mean? Like, there's significant yeah. downside to trading Ben Simmons for Malcolm Brogdon. There, there's no guarantee that it makes you a better team. There's a pretty good chance it makes you a worse team. So I, I just think they have to tread carefully. Well, let's let's just bring Ben back and go through another second round. I loss. mean, I, I, I <laughs> let's bring him back. Let's, let's just go through this that... all again. I don't want that. I'm with you, but the, the th- it could get worse, is what I'm saying. It, it's just you can't change addition it. Addition by to subtraction. Addition by subtraction, my brother. That's I don't know. I mean, like with Westbrook in Washington, sure. I think the Wizards got better this summer, but Ben is not that player. You know what I mean? Like, like there are certain players where that's true. I, I don't quite think Ben is there. Yeah. Um. But well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm just really nervous about it. If they trade him for Brogdon, I'll I'll talk myself in circles until I get to a point where I'm comfortable with it. But well, we just got to see what happens. Well, next time we talk, Chris, hope, hope, well, I hope that we'll be able to talk about a trade. But I think it's time to <laughs> time to close it out. <laughs> yeah, um, Alex, man, thanks for coming on. Um, if you just want to let the listeners know where they can follow you. On Twitter, obviously, everyone can go read his stuff at the site, sixersense.com. Um, Alex has already written a few great pieces there. Um, but, yeah, Alex, tell us where we can follow you. Tell us about your other podcasts, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at AlexInStorf99. Uh, and I do um, do a lot of kind of writing. I also write for Boldbeat on a fan site about the Chargers. Uh, I do the Sixers Sense. And I do have a Chargers-based uh, podcast, so uh, you can go check out the Guilty as Charged podcast on all podcast platforms everywhere. Uh, so, you know, that's just going to be my uh, shilling for the day uh, for my own stuff. Uh, and I'm thankful for you guys for letting me on the pod. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. We'll have to have you back on again at some point in the future. And to all our listeners, as always, thanks for giving us the time of week to talk Sixers. If you can, please subscribe, you know, follow along with the podcast. We post it twice a week. Leave us a review. Leave us a rating. It would really help us out. You can follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Google Play, or you can just listen on our website at thesixersense.com. Once again, follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. And until next week, uh, you know, probably going to get some more free agency news between now and then so a a lot to talk about we will see y'all then